everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm so excited to join you today as we bring a brand new conversation, helping people reclaim the balance of faith and life. And today's feature conversation is with Dylan Smith. Dylan is the content manager for Carrie Newhoff, who runs Newhoff Communications and is a longtime preacher. He's been a virtual mentor for me for years. I love his stuff. And so getting to talk to Dylan was an absolute treat. What I learned is, is that Dylan is a young leader who's got such an important message to share. I think you're going to love this conversation. He talks about what it means to lean into your God calling when you're not sure how you're going to get there. He gets really vulnerable about what he does after losing his father at such a young age. And he shares about how the church stepped up and filled in the gaps for him. It is such a good conversation. If you like it, uh, if you like what you hear, there's always, always something you can do. Tell us about it at TWMilt. You can also share this episode. Such a huge compliment. We always appreciate it when you share, leave ratings or reviews. We want to hear from you. That's the most important thing. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Dylan Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm excited to bring you today's featured conversation with Dylan Smith. Dylan, how the heck are you, man? Man, I'm good. Uh, excited to be here. Now, Dylan, you have an interesting job, and, and this is probably a, a great place to get started. You're the content manager for Newhoff Communications, Gary Newhoff, who, if you're in the Christian circles, I'm sure you've read, listened to, or been a part of his stuff. What exactly does a content manager do, and how do you get into a position like that? So, one, I got to give a lot of credit. Um, God has just had a lot of favor on my life. So there isn't like a, a formula to end up working for Carrie Newhoff, especially when you're from Nebraska, live in Nebraska and have never been to Canada before in your life. Uh, but yeah, you guys couldn't, here. I mean, couldn't be really any yeah. farther apart than you are right now, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. He's on a plane right now, so he might be flying over me. But uh, <laughs> besides that, <laughs> we're not that close to each other pretty much ever. Um, but uh, so content manager wise, what I do for him now is I do a lot of writing. Um, I help manage our website and we have a lot of courses. We have a lot of like a blog that is one of the more widely read leadership blogs out there, um, for Christian leadership. And we have a podcast and I kind of help run all of that on the website and how, how to organize that, how to structure that. Um, what's the best way that we can serve our audience today with that? Um, so that's kind of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's a lot of writing. Um, and I love that. Uh, but it's definitely, it leaves you a different kind of tired at the end of the day. Um, yeah. So that's what well, I, do. I mean, yeah. How does it, what does that look like to produce con that much content? I mean, cause I mean, Carrie's kind of known for being a content machine and um, I've read some of your stuff and it seems like you're following in that same kind of vein. How, how do you, um, how do you manage to produce that much content. So for Carrie, um, yeah, he is a content machine. I have never met anyone that can write and think um, as much as he does. Like not only does he produce multiple blog posts a week, but they're like really well thought out and that like they're new ideas that are game changing. Um, so, and I've asked him about that and his answer is, uh, you know, I think it's favor. Um, I, I just think that God has provided me with, um, extra knowledge and extra, like the ability to write more. And, uh, he's like, yeah, it's, it's not up to me. It's up to God. Um, so that's really cool. One hearing him say that. Um, but I mean, so he also has this course called the high impact leader and he's writing a book on some of the, the content in that course right I've now. I've taken it. It's and a great course. It's amazing. So, you know what I'm talking about when I say the, uh, the different energy zones throughout the day. Sure. Um, so right now with the, I'm relatively new to being a content manager. I'm within the first six months. Um, so I'm still learning, but one thing that I've really had to maximize is okay. Eight to 10 is like my, I can pump out content zone. So what are the things that I need to be writing right now? And what are the things that I need to be like really thinking through on a deep level and making sure to keep those in my higher high energy zones? Um, so that's been key for me. I know that's key for Carrie. Uh, on his calendar, we just block off the mornings as writing time, um, and we don't really let any meetings get in there. Um, so that that helps. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, so for you now, you're you're a relatively young man, right? You're in your mm-hmm. early twenties. Yeah, I'm twenty one. So twenty one, right? So yeah, uh, I mean, twenty one, and you're writing content uh, for thousands of Christian leaders all over the United States, which that's that's pretty amazing. How do you stay good. connected to God in all of that? And I heard you say that the, the reason you got here is because God's favor. So I, I kind of feel like those two things might be connected. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your story and how you stay connected to God as you're producing what you hope is godly yeah. content. Uh, yeah. Um, so, man, uh, I mean, everyone feels that tension, that tension to uh, like – you want to be working, you want to go, you want to thrive, you want to go and do all the time. Um, but a, a natural part of your relationship with God is just slowing down and it's being with him. And uh, I, that was something that I was really good at before I worked for Carrie. So a bit of my background, um, I grew up in Nebraska and I went to this uh, Bible college called Nebraska Christian College. And it's this place, um, it's in the middle of a cornfield outside of Omaha, which Omaha is the biggest city in Omaha. So we're still like close to the city and we have access to all the city things, but it is just off the middle of nowhere. Um, Like when you're on the campus and uh, small school. And one of the values there is working with pastors the entire time you're in getting your degree. So you work under, uh, you always have a mentor, you always have a church that you're serving in and uh, really love that. But part of that was um, my pastor that I was working for challenged me and he said, hey, I need you to spend the next month starting today with get an hour alone with Jesus and do nothing else, just an hour alone. And then by the end of this month, I want you to get up to two hours a day. So wait. How old were you when you had this conversation? I mean, you're 21 now. I was 19 at the time. 19 years yeah. old, two hours with God by the end of 60 days. Yeah, uh, 30 days. 30 days. So, oh, oh, okay, yeah. good. So it's, he's, he wasn't asking too much. Yeah, I, that was a lot. <laughs> it feels, it feels, course, look, look, man, I'm a pastor with an MDiv. I don't spend two hours a day with Jesus if I'm just honest about no, it. No, no. How'd um, you get there? Did you get there? Uh, I did. Um, and so that was actually when God called me and said, Hey, I need you to go work for Carrie Newhoff. And I didn't have a connection there. But um, what I realized is like, everyone thinks like, Hey, I don't have enough time to, for anything. And what I realized is as a college student, I had so much time that I mm. wasn't maximizing, and especially sure. now I'm, I'm a year and a half into the job with Carrie and I, my time, like, I was wasting 90% of my time in college and I thought that I was busy and I was one of the busiest students there. Um, but like, what, what made you busy so in college? Much. What made you busy in college? Old Chicago at 10 PM, like <laughs> <laughs> um, not getting enough sleep. Uh, it, like, it, cause you always feel tired and you always feel stressed when you're not getting enough sleep. Um, right. So that, um, but when you live in the dorms too, or when you live with other people, um, conversations just happen. And sometimes those can take over your life. Um, so one of the best things that I've done for my personal productivity is move to a place where I'm not, uh, surrounded by people all the time, even though I'm a massive extrovert, love people, love, um, just processing life together, but I had to find the, the middle ground there. Um, but anyways, so I did all of that and, uh, so when I realized that I had more time than I thought, I, I started at an hour to loop back to the getting to two hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with an hour and I just upped it by two minutes every day. So, uh, and I would use my Apple watch and just say, Hey, set a timer for an hour and four minutes, an hour and six minutes, an hour and eight minutes. And I wouldn't look at anything besides my Bible and some worship music on a playlist, but like during that hour. Um, so would you, um, flip open the Bible and just start reading something where you're using a reading plan. Uh, I mean, let's, let's get kind of detail oriented here. Cause I think that there's somebody listening right now. Who's like, I can't even spend 10 minutes with God without getting distracted. Yeah. Um, so one, I turned on the music and I threw my phone. So, so like, 
I'm so I can't I even today I can't sit here without my phone just being in front of me. I gotta check it. I gotta you know look at whatever Facebook, Twitter, um, all that stuff. Um, so I got rid of that, and then I had this journal that uh, it basically it was, the top line was dear God, and then just blank lines afterwards. Mm. So. I would start having a conversation and I'd just write whatever I was thinking and I would listen. And, um, I, I didn't hear like an audible voice. Um, I, I can't remember a specific time where I heard an audible voice, but it was like impressions that I was just like hearing and writing. And, um, what I do is what I felt like God was saying, I'd write it down and then I'd really think about it, process it, look at scripture and say, it does this, is this something that God could be saying? And, uh, usually it was just like stuff in my personal life. Hey, I probably shouldn't be, uh, pursuing that girl because you know, Bible college, um, or Hey, I... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, that's, that's um, perfect. Cause every, every, yes. Amen. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. If you're married, that's always going to be the answer, unless it's your wife. But uh, right, right, uh, right. Uh, As you know, but, Bible college. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it was a rough time, man. Um, but so, so these this time, um, it was just conversations like that. And I have a journal entry from like January twelfth of twenty eighteen, where I wrote, "This is crazy, but I think I'm supposed to go work for Carrie Newhoff," and like, and I. I spent the next like few weeks asking God, there's no way, there's no way. Cause I don't know the guy I've met him once. Uh, he's been, he did, had been out to our college for a, a training day that we, we had him come out for. Um, but the, like, I didn't have, I didn't keep in contact with him. So it'd been a year since I talked to him and I'm like, God, what the heck are you doing? What, what does this mean? I'm crazy. I, I must be crazy. Um, and then so I wrestled with God about this for that few weeks of the, the time left of getting up to the two hours a day. And then I go and talk to um, one of the guys at our college and he says, well, Frank Beeler is coming to town uh, on Monday. So let's talk to him about it. Cause I know that they're like, they know each other at least. So maybe we talked to Frank about the idea and uh, little did either of us know that Frank Beeler is Carrie's best friend. Uh, yeah. Which is, um, you know, God does some cool things sometimes. And this was one of them. But so when Frank came in, uh, we had a class with him first, it was called intro residency, uh, which is like the, the working in the church as part of our school residency. Um, so Frank came in and taught and basically he sat there and I was in the front row. And he just kind of taught us for an hour and a half that you need to have a mentor that's at your level. So like, um, in a good way, but like, if someone, if you're here as an intern, you can probably learn from a staff member. And then if you're learning from a staff member, or if you are a staff member, you can learn from an executive staff member. Um, so basically, I felt like I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he was talking in response because um, he knew that Andy and I were going to have this conversation with him. Andy, uh, the guy at our college, had mentioned to him that mm. we were going to talk about this. So I thought the entire class was just him basically saying, there's no way this is going to happen. You are crazy. But we talked to Frank after the class. I'm sitting there just terrified because, you know, this guy had been like one of the top guys at Elevation for years. And he was like about to shoot my dreams down. <laughs> um, uh, but, but Everybody loves um, to walk into those conversations where you feel like you're going to get slaughtered no matter what. Yeah. And it's with somebody that uh, being a three on the Enneagram, I really care about public perception no matter what is going to happen. So right. like I was just terrified and it's to an unhealthy level. I get it. Us threes were unhealthy in that. But um, so anyways, we have that conversation with Frank and he's like, probably not. Um, but I'll send a text for you, which is like, whoa, this is huge. Um, yeah. And uh, he said he walked out of that meeting and shot Carrie a text and said, hey, I think I found you new executive assistant um, because Carrie had been looking for one. Uh, because his current assistant, um, well, she's current now again, um, but she was going on maternity leave in that summer. And she was going to be gone for a year because in Canada, you get a year off, um, which is just outstanding for her. Um, but in her absence, they hired me on. And sure. Man, like just watching God do that was crazy. And uh, I look back and no one will ever convince me <laughs> anything no. of like, yeah. Now, I'd like to ask you a specific question. The day that you uh, journaled uh, that 
that you were going to go, you think you're called to work for Kerry Newhoff. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would you describe the feeling of that? Because that seems like a very specific call. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could get more specific unless God gave you Carrie's number. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So what he did is he, like, what I was kind of thinking about, um, I had a couple pastors that I had been working under for the last couple of years and they were still in the city and I didn't talk to them as often anymore because I had moved churches, um, uh, it, it, good ways, but they just wanted me to work under a different leader because the sure. leader I was under moved to Florida. So I, I moved to a church, but this leader keeps seeing me and he kept calling out this, uh, this gift that I have to ask good questions. And he said, Hey man, like, uh, you're going to do great things in ministry, but you, you got to keep asking these questions. Like the, these are good. I don't have leaders that ask this type of stuff. So um, what God was kind of showing me was like, I have this uncanny ability um, or gifting, I would say to walk into a meeting prepared and just like get the best questions I can um, out of a leader and get the best answers I could out of a leader. And uh so I guess even more, um, the year before that, when Carrie had been at our college, we had had a coaching session with him where um, I asked a really good question. And it was like six students and Carrie just sitting at a table, which is sure. an awesome opportunity. Yeah. Um, but I asked a really good question and Carrie walked into his next meeting, which my mentor happened to be in. And he said, I just got asked the best question I've been asked in 10 years. And it was by an 18 year old kid. Hmm. Um, which is like, well, but I just stolen the question from my mentor. Uh, <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> he didn't say that in the meeting. In but, the church um, world, we, we say glean. I gleaned yes, it yeah, from yeah. him. Right. Okay. I gleaned it from him. Yeah. But I literally walked into the meeting and said, Hey, I got a meeting with Terry. Uh, what should I ask? And he sent me that question. What, hey, what um, was the question? What was the question? Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so it was mid conversation. So like I worked it in really well. Um, but the gist of it was, okay, say I want to be leading a church or leading an organization in 10 years. What practical things do I need to be doing today um, to not only be doing that, but also be best personally prepared now, spiritually, emotionally, physically, whatever, um, to be doing that well in 10 years? Um, oh, that is a good question. Well yeah, done. It's really good. Yeah. Well, thank my mentor. Uh, his name's Corey Demmel. Shout out. Thanks, Corey. Guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, so he, uh, I asked that question, apparently it really stuck. Um, I mean, and Carrie had to have been asked that question before, but I think I just worded it in the right way. But God brought that memory of that conversation into my mind um, during that time in prayer where I wrote, I think I'm supposed to go work for Carrie Newhoff because God was kind of pointing out, hey, you've got this gift for asking questions. Maybe you need to go work for Carrie. You can maybe write the questions for the podcast or something like that was the thought. Um, and uh, that's why I wrote it down. So that whole story is the long answer to um, what was going through my head when I- I when love I it. I, you know what I appreciate is that um, I, I find that God always comes at us in different avenues. Yeah. And so it wasn't just your mentor at- uh, your Bible college, but it was also your pastor mentor during your residency. It was, and then the opportunity. And I just think that when, when we see God in little things, we, God speaks to us in big ways. Yeah. So you, you begin to, to start down this path as an executive assistant, but that's not what you're doing now. Mm-mm. And I'm guessing that you didn't go to Bible college to be on staff at a parachurch organization. I, I don't know if it's fair to call New off communications parachurch, but but you guys are for the church, right? So you guys kind of work yeah. for the church and you work for local church leaders. So how did how did you end up where you are now? And how did you end up with your call being um a temporary delayed, shelved, or changed? I'm not sure what the right word is. Yeah. Um so one, yeah, no, I'm not an executive assistant. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, if you've looked at Les McEwen's like uh, uh, leadership success uh, signs or whatever. Yeah, um, predictable success. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I'm definitely on the visionary side. I'm not sure. the operator or the processor. Mm-hmm. So which, which a great executive assistant would be a operator with a little bit of processor and almost no visionary. I am the opposite. Um, so it was a tough year. Like I had to learn and grow a ton, um, but it was good because those lessons that I learned uh, translate to all areas of ministry and life and work really where it's, um, did you do what you say you were going to do when you said you were going to do it? Uh, so that you've probably heard Carrie say that, but, um, like just it, simple skills like that. It was just a year of me really learning how to do that. Um, so can I, can I ask you a very, uh, kind of yeah. practical question here? Did it feel like you were getting beat over the head every day? I mean, was it hard like oh. that? Because my experience is when, like, if you put me in a budget, meeting my eyes glaze over things mm-hmm. start to slow down and a 15 minute meeting feels like it lasted for two weeks yeah yeah yes um it was really hard uh how did you survive I, it mentors um mm. and the network like one thing that i like to say is that i wasn't enough i didn't survive it but the people that I had put around myself, um, my mentors, my pastors, the people that I could reach out to in hard times, they um, helped me survive through it. And, did your uh, I mean, did your boss know that you hated it? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say hated. Um, I, I mean, but, I mean, but like yeah. it was a grind. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. there's oh, a yeah. difference when you're living in your calling versus like when when you're mm-hmm. like you're grinding. I mean, a year yeah. is a long time to grind. Oh yeah. Um, so yes, he did. And, uh, I, this is very closely entwined with my, uh, my blog posts, three things every young leader needs to hear from their boss. Oh, it's so um, good. We'll link to it in the show notes. I, I read it. I thought it was so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but so he said a few things throughout the year that were just so helpful because he did know, like, you're not a, you're not an EA, you're, you're not an executive assistant, but this position is only for a year. And, uh, afterwards, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, so I'm very lucky to still have, or very grateful to still have a job. Um, well, and in your blog post, I thought you said it beautifully that if you know your why, if you know why you're doing mm-hmm. it, you can survive almost anything for a year. So yeah. did your um, did your why change to to content manager? Did it from pastoral, you, you know, a pastoral calling, or was this? Um, tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, I was in a degree called, um, just a bachelor's in pastoral ministry. Um, and I have a huge passion for the church, huge passion for, um, obviously the message of Jesus. And you can Um, preach. I've listened to your message. You can preach really well. You're an incredibly gifted speaker. Thank you. (laughs) That's very kind. Um, I, that was definitely one of my better, um, messages, but God has been good with providing that gifting. Um, but my passion uh, for the church. I, it's weird, but even in like high school, um, I, while I was like an intern at a church before college, before anything, uh, I had this passion for the big C church. Hmm. And I had this passion for um, how do we change the public perception of the church from how like bad it is right now? And how do we get it so that people are um, more willing and open to receive the message of Jesus on a massive scale. Um, so, and there's a few stories in there, but, uh, so that passion never went away in high school or in college. Um, so I, God had always kind of had some part of my, um, you know, I could put on my bio, uh, as like I was the Omaha concert chaplain, um, where I was like, it was big C church focused. And okay. so that, that carried over into working for Carrie. Um, because I don't know if I can point to a leader who is like as focused on just helping church leaders as some of our content is. And um, like, obviously there's tons of people, Craig Rochelle, Bob Goff, Christine Kane, all those people are killing it. Um, but I had never met any of them. <laughs> um, so well, Right. Right. God didn't yeah. put any of those people in your path. Exactly. Um, but like, man, we're like Carrie's platform. Uh, I don't know if you know Caleb Calton back or not. He awesome guy um, in California, he, right? Is yeah, he in California? Yeah, he yeah. wrote a book. 
Yeah. Um, he wrote a book called Messy Grace. Um, but he, uh, he pointed this out to me actually last week he was in town. Um, but he, like, I was kind of wrestling with, okay, I, I have this passion for the big C church and personally for church unity is a big like passion point of mine. Like, I think we need to be working together and I think Jesus uh, prayed for us to work together. Man, I um, wish you would say some things to the Methodist denomination. We're a Methodist <laughs> church and we need you. Anyway, keep going. Doing, Don't let yeah, it get yeah, distracted yeah. by. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so Caleb pointed out that what Carrie is doing is already part of that unifying process because mm. we we have Catholic, uh, you know, James Mallon is a guy who Carrie is close with. And um, so like we've worked with Catholic churches, we've worked with Protestant, Lutheran, Methodist, all, all across the board, the charismatic um, denominations and or I guess a lot of them aren't a denomination, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so like I'm seeing this work and I was serving that big why of what we were doing, even though I really wasn't gifted to book a calendar event for Carrie and, you know, make sure the zoom link is right and set up the podcast. Um, so uh, the, the big why the big vision, why was able to overrule the, the everyday, why am I doing this? Why do I have to, whatever. Uh, so that was, that's probably one of the ways that I survived uh, uh, was that. Um, yeah. Uh, somewhere along the way, did you see that your call um, ha became more refined to the, I mean, more refined to the big church or did you, um, I mean, I guess, how'd you know there was going to be something on the other side? other side of working for Carrie or just well, on the other side of the year of like, oh, cause you know, yeah. cause it was, it was kind of like you stepped into the big Y and then it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, it was a grind, you know, it was, it was great. I'm sure in a lot of ways, but it was probably really hard in other ways. And yeah, you know, like, yeah. Um, so one thing Carrie did really well was he always pointed out that he, he knew I wasn't in my sweet spot. Like, oh. um, and he mentioned like, multiple times, like, um, once he, I think once he knew that he was going to keep me after the year, if he could, um, which there was, there was a bit of a rough period where it was, that was a question mark, um, where I just, I had so much to learn. Um, but he long-term, uh, really started to point out, Hey, I want to get you in your sweet spot more. And he, he would say that. And when I heard that, that was enough to keep going. And that, so like, did um, you know what your sweet spot was? I, I knew that I love to preach. Um, so we have this speaking team um, that on our website, uh, carrynewoff.com forward slash speaking forward slash my name um, would be my page. But uh, we have this speaking team and we actually started talking about building that six months before it went live. Sure. Um, so that was, um, that was one big thing, like specifically that we started doing and like gave me a lot of hope um, because I knew like, it, just to be on the speaking team is a massive honor in and of itself. Um, yeah. There's some but, big names on that team. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how mine ended up there other than it just God's, the gr little God's grace, man. It's all good. You're good at what you do. Don't let anybody tell you anything different. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, so that, that just, uh, that kept me through and that kept me going. And, uh, that was just, it was, it was fun. It was hard. It was, uh, this is also something I pulled from Corey. Um, but it was the hardest, but best job I've ever had. And I mm. think everyone needs to go through that. I think we all need this. You got to go through the fire, uh, for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I just, I think that that's something that more people my age need to do actually. <laughs> I, I, I definitely see that benefit, you know, and, and it reminds me of, you know, what Paul says, rejoice to the extent for which you can suffer for Christ. You know, yeah. and, you know, I, I think that that rings true for so many of us that on the other side of the hard things is a bigger picture than what we can understand. Because mm -hmm. as I often at times have to remind myself, I'm not God, yeah. that, that controlling side of me just wants to take things over. So you're on the other side of it now and you're serving lots of leaders. You're speaking at lots of different places. You're doing writing blog posts that are going out to 
thousands and thousands of leaders. Um, how do you stay connected to God now that you're not in, in your Bible college anymore, right? And you're, yeah. you're, doing, you're doing big time stuff with big names in Christian circles. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not easy. Uh, one, uh, just as a bit of an encouragement to everyone out there. Um, man, it, it's not easy. I, I think um, when things got really hard in the job, I, my natural tendency was to just work more hours, uh, which it was dangerous, um, I think. It, but I, I just, I went until the job was done. And uh, as you know, the job is never done. Um, so Amen. I just went and went and went and went and went. Um, and eventually I had to learn like, oh, this is extremely unhealthy. And like, I, yeah, I, I had some hard times um, in there. But what I've learned now, and this is especially thanks to uh, Craig Rochelle did a series called Habits at the beginning of the year um, at his church based on hmm. uh it was uh, James Clear's Atomic Habits, a uh, phenomenal book. Um, I think I've read it three times this year. Uh, but so what I've done is now I have this morning routine that I try to hit every day. Don't do it every day. Um, but I'm definitely hitting it more often than I'm not of wake up, get the coffee and just get in the word right away. And whether that's like audio playing the the, I've got a chronological year long reading plan that I'm working through. Um, but I just, I, I gotta start there. And I, I usually try to start with worship music. Um, at, I think that that's one of the biggest missed messages that the church is not saying right now. Um, at least Christian leaders aren't saying is how important what we listen to is, um, right. for like how our life is formed. Uh, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I, you notice it in yourself where like if I go three weeks of listening to um, uh, my personal, like, you know, I grew up small town, Nebraska. So I like country music. At some some people are probably going to swipe off the podcast right now. No, I love country but, music. It's fine. <laughs> okay, that's good. Um, but if I go and listen to, you know, the, the best beach country music playlist for three weeks straight, I just want to escape. I want to go. And uh, like, I... I think more than we give credit, music forms how we think. So um, an intentionality on what music I'm listening to, especially to start the day, is huge. And I know a lot of our team members are the same way, where we just, we got to start with worship. Um, and yeah, so that's big. Um, I've noticed that going to church is actually like, and and not only just showing up and sitting in the seat, but like going to church and really listening and saying, okay, God, you've got something to teach me today. Um, that's becoming more and more of a spiritual discipline too. Like, do, do you think, think it's hard in the, in the world that you live in, you're surrounded by some of the world's best communicators who are preaching incredible messages. Mm-hmm. Um, is it hard for you as somebody who's dialed into that community to get up and go to a local church on Sunday morning in the middle of Nebraska, where let's be honest, some of the communicators may not be at the same level of the people that you're listening to in your day job. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, um, it, there's a tension there. Um, you know, uh, Carrie, his church, they listen to Andy Stanley every other week. Sure. Um, so (laughs) it's like, uh, that's the best of the best. And I think my brain naturally works more towards that style of sermon, um, listening, just the highly practical, you know, work through, get one, like get one life concept and, uh, get out. You know, I, I enjoy that. Um, that's how my brain is actually wired. The church I actually attend here in Omaha, it's called mission church, but it's this, like, it's a church plant that's two years old, um, a few hundred people. And, uh, like it's very, very charismatic and it's inner city. So, um, inner city, like sermons and everything, uh, they just, there's not like that line that you can draw through it normally. And like, that's also preaching style too, but of course, um, it's definitely not what I naturally listen to or naturally hear, but um, I, what it takes is a little bit more humility, I think, of just going, you know, hey, this is reaching uh, like our community and our city. So I'm really glad to be here. And even if it's not my style of like preaching or whatever, um, it's still really good. And it's still the word of God. 
and it's still what I need to hear. Um, well, so I, I think I, you bring up a great point too, because uh, no matter how good Andy is, uh, unless you're mm-hmm. in Atlanta, um, your church is, I mean, like you're not going to be able to show up on Sunday and then afterwards serve the people in your community. So you can listen to messages yeah. all day long, but actually living the message has got to be completely different. Yes. Yeah. And I would say that the, I think the living part is a lot more important. Uh, like um, uh, one of the things we talked about before uh, we recorded this podcast was kind of how to, how to dance that balance of really trying to work a lot. And like a church just feels like another thing sometimes. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think the the biggest thing is that even if I am traveling three weeks in, uh, out of a month and I'm not at church, um, sure, I'll try to watch it online if the online is working and whatever. Um, but the message is still internalized for me. The the vision, the mission, the, you know, we're a church that's going to unleash unprecedented hope in every inner city around the world. It's a massive dream, but it's a part of me and I own that. And um, so so not only like, you know, I go to mission church, but like, I'm a hope dealer. Like I, I go and I bring hope to the people that need it most. And like that becoming a part of my like internal who I am, that's been massive for, you know, even when I can't show up to church, I can still be the church out in the community. Um, not when it's just a scheduled event. Um, so that that's been huge for me, I think. That's awesome. And do, do you think that that's part of your wiring too, that you have this need to go out and, and actually do something with the message? I, I'm probably more prone to it than most people my age. I, I mean, especially with being a preacher, I know that the goal is application with a sermon. And I don't think that that's as apparent to everyone else. Like, um, but the goal is life change when I walk out of this sermon. So how does God want to change my life? with it. Um, I think that I'm definitely more prone to that, um, which is a bit of a blind spot for me because then the, the 21 year old that has zero interest in, um, church or the message I can't relate to as well. Um, but obviously you find other ways to relate, you know, uh, with whatever struggles we have. You know, one of the interesting things, um, as I really kind of dove into your bio a little bit is that, um, you, when you were 12 years old, you lost your dad. And um, the way you kind of talk about it on your bio is, is that that tragedy turned you kind of closer to the church, which feels very opposite than most Mm -hmm. people, especially young people who in the midst of tragedy, oftentimes walk away from all of that. Um, Can you, can you tell us how all that kind of went down and in whatever way you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. No, one, thank you for asking. Um, I think that's a topic that a lot of people just kind of skip over. Um, and I, I mean, including myself. So it's a good conversation to have because this is a massive thing that God has done. Um, but so my dad passed away when I was 12. Um, he was drunk driving and on a motorcycle and, uh, Mm. passed away on that. Um, which is awful. Um, but when he passed away, he was definitely a, a farmer. Like he, he had his own welding business. Like he was the, the man's man, you know? Sure. Um, and, uh, I wasn't, I guess. Um, so like, I, you know, I was growing up and, uh, you know, we, we loved being out on the farm, but like I enjoyed video games and stuff like that more, which as a 12 year old kid, like, you know, whatever, you, you right. Know, like, that's just a part of, that's just a part of life. Um, but when dad passed away, like I realized that there was a massive deficit between who he was and who he wanted me to become and who I was. Uh, so when I saw that gap, when I saw that difference, um, it, it was a little bit unhealthy uh, how much I went to this, but I completely changed my mindset from I want to have fun to I need to be that person and I need to like um, I, I have to learn all of these things from someone other than dad because dad's not here anymore. So wow. what I did, yeah, it, it's awful um, to hear now, but. Um, I don't know if I would say it's awful. It's, you know what, it, it, it feels like a really normal response for a 12 year old boy that just lost his dad. Yeah. So I, I think that that's, that's just, I, I think that 
I think there's a lot of people out there that, um, that have that response, even, even, even in their twenties and thirties, like I've, I've got to, I mean, it's hindsight, of course, being what it is to to recognize the deficit is what a huge gift. And Mm -hmm. to see that that was, I mean, that's not where you ended up, obviously you're not there now. Um, so I, I think, I think that's really good. And it's it's really wise of you to say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I, when I saw that deficit, when I, um, really realized that I, like I had a long ways to go and no one to show me how, um, I got this internal ability and drive to learn from older men that knew those things, Hmm. um, which, uh, it, it was unhealthy, I think, but it was really good. Um, it ended up being super healthy because what God did is he brought in guy after guy who, um, was, you know, friends with my mom, friends with my dad, whatever that I, we had known. And, um, they all like taught me how to fix cars, taught me how to work on whatever, but they also said that you got to be good with the Lord first. And they, they pointed me towards Jesus and, uh, really like, it was because of that process and that um, internal tendency that I just dove headlong after Jesus. Um, so uh, that, and not only did I like turn towards him, but I was like in and I went for it. Um, you were like all so, in. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and I think what happens, um, cause I'm writing a blog post on this actually right now, it's taken me a month to write. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of internal processing, but I think when tragedy like losing a a father steps into your life early, it turns into an extreme. It's either Hmm. unhealthy or it's healthy. And uh, luckily for me, it was healthy. And I I just went extremely for good in the world and extremely for um, what I learned was the most good, which is the message of Jesus and the message of Christianity. Um, So I, I turned it into that extreme, but so many people don't. And that, so that's the blog post I'm writing right now. And it's, yeah, it, that's the kind of the, the subject on that. And, uh, it's, well, I, I think, um, you know, so, uh, it, it's the ultimate, Jesus is the ultimate coping skill mm-hmm. when it yeah. comes to, to healthy or unhealthy. Right. Because when all that, 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 uh, sometimes emotions have the tyranny of the urgent because they feel so oppressive mm-hmm. in the moment and yet, you, you got, I mean, you got to do something. And I can't imagine being 13, 14, 15 years old as your uh, body is changing. I'm raising a 13 year old right now and it, he's a hot mess. I love him. He's wonderful. He's a great kid, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Like he, he just, he's, it's insane. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you think, um, was it, was it one church that kept supplying all those guys or was it, multiple churches or just multiple people or how did because I, I think there's probably people out there in their life right now who who need somebody to walk alongside them in this journey of faith how, how do you how'd you find them oh, man um so when i was really young uh they definitely found me i think um you know, when you're, when you see a kid that's gone through what I had gone through and you realize that you have a chance to step in and help, you usually do, I think, Mm. um, or at least these guys did. And they kind of leaned in and said, okay, I'm going to pour into this kid. And so, uh, and so in that way they found me, but when I got to college, that responsibility kind of like to, to have that male role model that, I could look at, look up to and follow and learn from. Um, it became a school requirement actually, because they said you have to have a mentor while sure. you're here. Um, and I mean, I would have done it anyways. I, you know, that that's just something I would have done. Um, but what happened then is it was multiple different church leaders throughout college from different churches, from different walks, like different theological beliefs. Um, I went from a traditional relatively fundamental Baptist church, not traditional, but like traditional, uh, contemporary. So like, like they changed everything in 2001 and then didn't change again, man. They're like so- <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I went from that church into an AG church. Okay. So like just a massive AG shift. assemblies of God, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Pentecostal uh, hyper charismatic, like um, people falling on the floor, speaking in tongues. 
Yeah, yeah. I that was the first time I'd seen that, and that was uh, yeah. That'll mess that, you up that, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the church I'd grown up in believed that all that stopped, and oh. uh, so so what I had to decide is either that was wrong, or all these people are faking this, um, or like it's you know that something evil is happening, and I'm like, no, these are way too good of people, and they're serving like Jesus in better ways than the original church had it. I don't want to scale that, I guess, but like, but they were doing so much good for the city and yeah. uh, like they, their relationship with Jesus was real and awesome. Um, but anyways, uh, so I learned from very different churches along the way. And I think that served me so well now mm-hmm. being in the place that I am with Carrie, where like we're, we're content for all people, you know, Carrie's an ex Presbyterian. So, um, you know, if anybody moves in service, it's because they're having a heart attack, but, uh, which is right. terrible to <laughs> <Right>. say. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it's so uh, true. <laughs> I grew up Catholic. Yeah. So it was like, sits Danielle, mm-hmm. sits Danielle, don't break the line, you know, like just stick with it. So I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, yeah. So, um, learning from all of those different perspectives added a lot of value and I, I still do it. Um, like I, I still will regularly meet with church leaders from all kinds of different churches if I can. And, uh, yeah, it, it's really good. Some of those most valuable meetings, like, especially as they've carried into my job with Carrie have been some of the biggest lifesavers for me. Cause you know, I'll, I'll come out of a week that I just screwed everything up and <laughs> nothing's going right. And I'll talk to them. They'll, they'll say like one thing to fix and everything's good the next week. And it's oh, like, that's awesome. well, you guys just have a lot of experience that I don't have. Um, so yeah, that God has kind of drew that long line of, um, like it 10 X to my ability to lead and to grow and to develop. And, um, you know, I'm not the average 21 year old, uh, just now, especially in interests. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but well, yeah, and so, uh, I mean, what, what a gift to come out of such a tragic event. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of your shaping, um, kind of a random question that I thought of as you were telling that story. W- were you, um, would you have, were you a three on the Enneagram before your father's death? <sighs> Hindsight, obviously. I, I mean, yeah, you don't yeah. know, just a, a guess. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's it's okay I, not to know. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about how much our events shape our motives and how much are, mm-hmm. are, um, you know, if, if it just, you know, if it amped it up or if it, I, you know, I don't know. I'm yeah. just, I, you know, kind of curious if you were, um, that, uh, kind of a producer prior to that moment or did that moment was a catalytic event that forever changed you. And I, I could see both sides of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I preach, I've preached the sermon on, uh, dad passing away a few different times to a few different churches. And, uh, you know, one of the the biggest things that um, that stick with me from that message, I, the last time I preached it was a couple of years ago, but it's the opening line, and it's, my life started the day that my dad's ended, um, and, like, obviously, I'd been alive for 12 years before that, but I think my cognitive, like, really thinking for myself started when he died, mm-hmm. um, so, so I don't know if I had an Enneagram number before then, um, and maybe you have some counselor uh, audience members who are going to like call me after this and be like, Hey, <laughs> uh, you need to work through some stuff, but <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, no, we definitely do. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I just, I was a kid that wanted to have fun and uh, yeah, I hadn't had a perfect life before that by any means. Like my parents were divorced beforehand and everything. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, that three definitely was, if it was already there, it just cranked up afterwards. So it definitely had a big impact on it. Um, yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And my, my knowledge of the Enneagram is, is, you know, it's minuscule compared to a lot of uh, people, but it's, it's always interesting to me if um, kind of where that all lands and, and here you are now, you know, some years later and you're, you're doing something that you, you couldn't have, and there's no way you could draw that up in high school or in college. Um, so one of the things that I wow. saw on your Instagram is your, your tagline is comfort is not a goal worth chasing. Mm. 
comfort is not a goal we're chasing. And so you wrote that and you're now in uh, what some people would say is a pretty sweet uh, job doing pretty amazing things with people that in Christian circles are considered to be, you know, pretty well known. You could use the, use the word famous if you wanted to. Uh, yeah. where, where are you chasing discomfort right now? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. I think, I think, uh, so working for Carrie, um, he's kind of, he's partially a product of North Point and North Point has a really high feedback culture. Um, and me being a, a th- well, so if you, you read my blog post, so if you look at Strengths Finder, uh, my top five strengths are restorative, harmony, connectedness, belief, and includer. Yeah. So all, all five of those things are like, I, I just want to, you know, get Can't along. We all just get along, people. right? <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> um, and Carrie being an eight like you, uh, he's just very quick to call that stuff out. And uh, like I, for the first like year, well, eh, first six months of working for him, um, I really didn't understand like how he could just quickly dive into a problem. And I would like feel personally attacked for it. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, but um, it like it, that hasn't gotten any easier. I just know that that's how his brain works. And like, mm. he just, he sees a problem. He wants to call it out because he wants, uh, you know, 10 minutes from now, 10 weeks from now, 10 years from now, us to be thriving. And to do that, the fastest way there is to overcome this obstacle in front of us right now. Um, but that's still not easy for me. So uh, like the, the high feedback, the always growing in that way, um, that's one way that I'm definitely still chasing discomfort. Uh, and I, that will never change as long as I work for uh, Carrie or probably any uh, growing organization or church. Um, I, I don't think that'll change. So that, that's really good. Um, I, I try not to let life get too easy. And if it does, I, I shake things up a little bit. Um, I try to keep my calendar full um, in a healthy way. Sure. Uh, Carrie has a quote where those that know their capacity are the ones that run closest to it. Um, mm. So like in that season of uh, last year when I was just starting, uh, Carrie, this is a another thing that was awesome. But two months into working for Carrie, um, a couple of balls had been dropped on an external end of our company for Carrie's book launch. So he looked at me and said, Hey, I want you to run the launch internally. Oh, which, you know, I was 19. Sure. <laughs> no, right. no, and this, was, this is a big book launch. I, I was on the launch yes. team. I was on the launch team. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, but I, so I was put in charge of running that launch and I was 19. Um, so I quickly turned 20 afterwards. Um, but you know, there's not much difference there. Uh, but, um, just looking at that kind of stuff, I, I learned like in that intense season, my capacity and I learned where I had to say, I can't do any more than this. Hmm. Um, so now I, I have a pretty good awareness of what I can and can't do. So I have to like, one way I stay uncomfortable is I, I run close to my limit without exceeding it. Um, so that's good. And some of that obviously is time with, I have a girlfriend now, her name is Maggie. She's amazing. Oh, you guys are uh, cute but, on Instagram. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. I, I will tell her that she, yeah, she I mean, is you definitely out kicked your coverage. <laughs> uh, I tried. So that's good. <laughs> uh, I'm teasing. Uh, that's great. Okay. So, uh, final question. I always love to ask people, um, that if, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, so, um, let's go, I don't want to go all the way back to your dad's death. What I'd like to do is I'd like to go back Mm -hmm. to the beginning of Bible college in Nebraska. You're getting ready to start and you've got big visions of being the next Andy Stanley somewhere in the world. You know, you're, you're starting out and you're, you know that God's called you to something like this. What's one piece of advice that you could give yourself now five, six years later? So um, all of this, like working for Carrie, uh, being the Omaha concert chaplain, uh, all of that almost didn't happen. 
Mm. Um, I, I can look back and I remember this clearly as clear as day. This was my freshman year. Um, we were going to go and volunteer at this concert and it was a newsboys concert. Um, but I remember sitting in my dorm and like, it, it was just a thing last minute. Everything's last minute at our school, uh, but it was in last college minute. is college. Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of it, but Hey, they need 20 volunteers. Let's go. And that's how I ended up getting the Omaha concert chaplain job where I was like ministering to Lauren Daigle and John Chris and all those guys. And like, so massive opportunity, but that all came out of this night. And this night um, I was in my dorm and I just remember just being hit by a wave of tired and just like, man, I don't want to go. Like, I, I, no, I'm not going to go. But then I remember just sitting there thinking to myself, yeah, but that's the lazy part of me. I need to go. Um, that could have gone either way. So I think if I could go back to freshman year, Dylan starting out, I would say that um, one of the enemy's weapons is laziness or tiredness and he will use it on you. Uh, mm -hmm. It, so just be ready for that and always do, if you can, always do what the lazy part of your brain doesn't want you to do. Uh, and, and I think that that's a, it, that ties into always taking the little opportunities, no matter how small they are, uh, you know, stewarding that. Uh, but I think that mindset would be what I'd tell myself if I had to go back. Um, it, it just shocks me because that one night, you know, that, that was a huge part of getting the job with Carrie was having that prior experience and changed it, it everything, almost, didn't it? Yeah. And it almost didn't happen because, and it's cause I was tired. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Oh, that's beautiful. Dylan, thank you so much for sharing. I, I mean, what a, I, I, what a rich, deep soul that you have. And I, I love the fact that you're only uh, in your early 20s, and I just can't wait to see what God is going to do in you and through you. And I know that my listeners will too. So where can they go to connect with you? How can they, how can they find you on the interwebs? Um, so if, like the, if you're looking for just learning a little bit more about me, um, or at, like that speaking page that I talked about earlier would be a good one. So I think the easiest way to get there would be type in Carrie N in Google. And then go to his website, Carrie Newhoff. Um, it, you guys will link to it in the show notes too, I'm sure. But sure. Uh, it, it's uh, so you can find me there if you have a podcast or a speaking event or whatever. Um, you can fill out the form and uh, I'll respond to you back there. Otherwise, Instagram and Twitter um, at Dylan underscore M underscore Smith. Uh, and so Instagram and Twitter, uh, that's kind of where I, I live. And then uh, Facebook to Dylan Smith. Good luck finding me. Uh, if you go to Kerry Newhoff, I'm one of his team members. So got uh, it. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, good. Is there any way that our, our listeners can be praying for you? Um, I think, I think being a three, uh, one of the big tendencies that I always, always, always have to, um, fight is this tendency to, make the success of my life and the story of my life on me. And it's not. Um, so just added humility as I go forward. Um, mm. I think, uh, it, you know, God has had me on a rocket ride and it's been so fun to watch, but it, like one of my biggest fears is letting that get to my head. Um, so I just don't want that to happen. <laughs> um, so if they could be praying for that and then, uh, yeah, I, I think that's good. My sister's on a world race right now. So if they want to pray for that, that'd be good too. But that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Good. Good. I got it. All right. So we will be praying for added humility and your sister's world race. I think those are beautiful things and we'll continue to do that. Any final thoughts as we, uh, as we close up here? I don't think there's a more life changing force than having a good mentor in your life that you can ask any question to. Um, I, well, obviously the power of Jesus and all that, but like if you're a leader, if you're looking to like thrive in life, find yourself a good Christian mentor who's a couple steps ahead of you. Uh, I just, I, I can't scream that message from the top of enough rooftops. Uh, so yeah, just look for that and find that if you can. Amen. Thank you so much, man. Hey everybody, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Thank you for sharing and for telling your friends about 
what God is doing through the Reclamation Podcast. And thank you, Dylan, for such an incredible outpouring of wisdom and vulnerability. I loved the way that you talked about the men that stepped into your life and how we can be that for the next generation. Such an inspiring message that I know we all need to hear and share. Again, thank you for the opportunity, and I can't wait to see you guys real soon.